on the line right now on the Revolution Will Not Be Televised, uh, our good friend Nikki Hager. Kia ora, good morning, Nikki. Good morning. Hey, listen, really appreciate you uh, joining us, especially as you've got a lot of things on your plate at the moment, but it seems like we're kind of in the hot and heavy campaign uh, season where, you know, this developing story of, of Key and his various nefarious relationships was just adding a new layer every day. Let's begin with the start of the week with this kind of shock and awe, kind of report dumping the first day of uh, the new parliament, all of this stuff happening. Uh, what do you make of the attempt to, in a sense, bury the lead with the dumping of the Chisholm report, the Gwynn report, the SIS uh, urgency uh, discussions, all of this like in 24 hours? Well, um, <clears throat> I think you put your finger on it. Some bad news was coming for the government and particularly for John Key, which he had been trying to deny and block and things. And and in and, and the case of the Gwynn Inquiry, which is the most important of them, the government had, had lawyers trying to shut her down so they couldn't look at John Key's office. When they failed on all of that, they did the last trick, which actually all parties are in risk of doing when they have bad news, mm-hmm. which is that they dumped it all out together and hoped that no one would notice which I have to say pretty much failed because people seem to have noticed a lot. Right. And Gwyn Report, obviously, we're talking about uh, the investigation of the Inspector General of the SIS. Uh, and, I mean, you've, you've on the Dirty Politics blog, you've put out a very useful kind of point-by-point point what we can glean from this. Uh, one of the things you do talk about is that this was, in a sense, limited, this investigation, to the SIS and, and didn't quite go to the Prime Minister's office as fully as it perhaps could have. But one of the things that I guess has come out, um, which is, is news to all of us, is I guess uh, Phil DeJou as a player in this kind of access of, of dirty politics. But also it would appear, and maybe this is just my reading, and, and maybe Dr. Warren Tucker is the fall guy, but an attempt to manipulate intelligence for partisan purposes. How did that happen? Yeah, can I tell the story of this? Because cause sure. I always fear that, that like the people who are listening now know there's been a stir going on, but they don't know what it's about. So can I just remind what the basics Please. are before we talk about the details? Is that all right? Indeed. Yeah. So what So what my book was about, in the simple heart of it, was that John Key was running a dirty tricks campaign. And he had people in his office whose job was not to put out the government's messages or to answer questions from the media, but was to try to covertly work out attacks and smears and many scandals and things to discredit their opponents. And this is not normal. It was kind of it was an abuse of power for the prime minister prime minister staff to be doing this. Mm-hmm. And one of the examples of this was them picking out what they thought was information to smear the Labour Party leader in the 2011 election. It happens in more than one election, but in the 2011 election, they found some SIS information, so this is secret intelligence service information which shouldn't be coming out for political purposes. Mm-hmm. They got this, they got it across, because the, John Key was the head of the SIS, the information had to come through to his office because that's how they run. you run government that the information has to come there to the minister mm-hmm. and then the minister's staff arranged for that to go through this guy called Jason Eads the dirty tricks man to, to Cameron Slater and tipped him off and, and as this report now shows this is more than I knew even drafted his whale oil drug um, blog post for That's him right. about how they could attack Phil Goff the leader of the Labour Party now this is 
massive abuse of power, especially using intelligence services information to attack your opponents leading up to an election. So that's what it's all about. And um, as, as everyone will know, when my book came out, the government denied everything. John Key said that I was a nutcase and I'd made it all up. He just makes this stuff up. It's not true and stuff is what he said. Mm-hmm. And, now, <clears throat> and for most of the stories in my book, it could... It, um, it could be a he said and she said, and people wouldn't find out. But in this case, because it was about the intelligence services, there's a very strict high-up official called the Inspector General of Intelligence and Security who decided that the integrity of the intelligence services was in doubt, and it was her job to check whether the intelligence services had done something wrong. And so in this case, compared to most of the stories in my book, there's been this incredibly thorough review where she ordered people in, I was one of the people she called in to give twice to give her evidence. Right. We got these formal orders, which is like, if you don't do this, we'll cut your hands off, production <laughs> orders, saying you have to hand over any documents we tell you to hand over, which is why she got information which from people like Cameron Slazer, which they really didn't want to give. Yep. And so she, what, and, the, and the result of this was she completely confirmed what was in my book. In fact, she took it further, that, they, that there had been a deliberate effort by John Key's office to use to, to get information which they thought would be damaging to Labour and to stick it out in the most damaging way without admitting they were involved in it. And this is very important. It's important because people should get caught when they do dirty tricks, but it's also important because when my book came out, and even since then, John Key has said, my staff weren't involved in this. We mm-hmm. had nothing to do with this. This was nothing wrong. And people can choose who they want to believe now because they're either going to believe the Inspector General of Intelligence and Security in an 88-page report where you can read everything in detail or the Prime Minister still denying it. And one of them's not telling the truth. Mm. And uh, one of the things that he contends, and this is... Uh, I'm going back to a, an interview with Susie Ferguson on, on Morning Report. I forget which day. Maybe it was Tuesday. Maybe it was Wednesday. But he said that the direct line of communication, Tucker, DeJew, Ede, Slater was contested and it was pointed out to him that the only person who contests that direct line of communication is Cameron Slater so the Prime Minister was using him as a credible source and and of course in all that uh, the Chisholm report the Judith Collins report and I know this gets a bit in the weeds they were using Cameron Slater as the fall guy as the one who was had no credibility and then in this sense he has credibility I don't know if that's been pointed out as clearly as no, it should no, be. You've po- I don't think anyone's pointed out as clearly as you have. But but what the, the overlying idea here is that John Key, for reasons which I actually don't even understand because it looks so bad, mm. doesn't want to admit anything. He's the, he's the I won't take accountability prime minister more and more, even even in the face of pretty undeniable evidence from senior staff, senior, you know, government official or, you know, public official who he'd normally be sticking up for, he just doesn't want to concede it. And so he comes up with a line like, this is a contested position. And everybody's heads are reeling saying, wait a moment, this huge report has just come out and concluded this. How can you say it's contested? Mm. And it's because he doesn't want to accept the conclusions. Right. Now, Bryce Edwards uh, was on, I mean, I'm going by my Twitter feed. Apparently, uh, he was on a morning report this morning and thought that, uh, and, and said that Slater must have something 
on the Prime Minister, for the Prime Minister to still be in any kind of contact with Cameron Slater. The, I, I mean, one of the big uh, points in your book, uh, and the, one of the things you emphasize, is not so much this particular instance of abuse of power, which is egregious, but so much it's it's about the relationship. It's about this is the style of politics they want to do. They're comfortable doing it, and the Prime Minister has not insulated himself from direct contact with Cameron Slater, which seems incredibly sloppy, like, you know... uh, You mean he should have done his dirty tricks um, campaign better? (laughs) Well, I'm saying, I mean, there's that, like, it's so brazen. It's so brazen that they don't even feel like they need to kind of insulate the prime minister from that direct line of contact. We know that that direct line of contact existed even this week. Um, Do I mean, what do you make of the, the idea that Slater... Is is a powerful player here who's got something on John Key, or will will hit the kind of self destruct button if 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 Key cuts him adrift? Yes, I think I can explain this. Okay. So there's two parts to it. Where does it come from? Originally, John Key didn't have many contacts with Cameron Slater, but his office was having a lot of contacts, and and Cameron Slater was being used through his blog Whale Oil to launch attacks on, on, on if all sorts of people on behalf of the National Party, but with, where they could deny who was doing it. And so Slater got more and more useful, and Key, who's a, a very clever politician, but also an expedient one, was using Slater more and more. So they had more and more contact until they were, they've been very close. Mm-hmm. And now this puts Key, when it all blows up and he wants to deny it, this puts Key in a very sticky position. And the sticky position is, he did use Slater. He contacted them recently, r- r- regularly. He, they were, you know, he was one of the tools that John Key would use to manage things politically. And when it all goes to hell, mm-hmm. and it's really embarrassing to be associated with Cameron Slater, he's in a bind because Cameron Slater is an erratic person. And if, and if John Key just cuts him off and says, "I don't know you," right. he runs a serious risk that Cameron Slater will do erratic things like releasing copies of their numerous underhand or dodgy interactions over different issues over time. Right. And so I think that John Key is in a very uncomfortable position now where his, where the mad dog that he was happy to use to attack people is in risk of biting him. Right, right. And so he's... so, And I think... I mean, people said, why on earth would John Key be contacting Cameron Slater and sending him texts this week and then having to admit it in Parliament. I think the reason that John Key was doing that is that if he doesn't stay friendly with his mad dog, he's, he knows he's in risk from, from the mad dog feeling hurt and taking it out on him. So he's, he's in a bind. He's in a political bind right now. Right. Well, speaking of, of pretty uh, tough personalities and unpredictable uh, kind of brazen personalities. I, I think Judith Collins may be feeling a little bit emboldened this week. Uh, was it the Chisholm Report? Is that the official name of the... Uh Probably, yeah. Yeah, so uh, this is a report on the claims that Slater, uh, uh, excuse me, that Judith Collins was part of a campaign to undermine uh, the state, the serious fraud office uh, boss, uh, Adam Feely, somebody Feely, I forget his first name. Yeah. Um, and, and this report was in a very limited in scope in the sense of its its powers to uh, get records, all the rest of it. But now Collins will now be, you know, standing uh, and and feeling vindicated and all the rest of it. Do you think that the Slater-Collins access, even though, you know, Collins in public said that 
uh, Slater had betrayed her. Do you think that that wing, that access, is feeling pretty emboldened right now and, and potentially kind of undermining Key? Or? Um, I think they'll be pretending that this was very good news for this review. Again, can I explain it a little bit? Yes, Let me take please. A second. And that is that there's two kinds of review, reviews that governments do. There's the honest, open ones where they want to get everything out, and there's the ones which have got special terms of reference and, and restrictions on what can be covered and limited to get the result that they want. And this was one of the second kind, the one with Judith Collins. Mm-hmm. Because what happened with Judith Collins is that she had the ROV, the problem. She was already in trouble. You're on your last warning as minister. And then my book comes out with her doing all kinds of disgusting things like leaking the name of a public servant to be crucified in public because she thought he'd done something wrong when he hadn't even done it, which is very unbecoming of a minister. The way she talked, mm-hmm. the way she attacked, she looked terrible in the book. And pre- as the election camp- campaign went on, the opinion polls showed that most people, after they'd seen the book and heard the contents, thought that she should be chucked out. Mm-hmm. John Key didn't want to admit anything in my book, so he wasn't willing to, to, to chuck her out on the basis of that. And then one more email turned up about her, and he said, she's never done anything wrong, but we have to do something about it because of this one email. Right. And we'll have an inquiry into the email. And so there was one email, and I haven't even read that report because those kind of reports bore me, really, because I always felt that it was designed not to work. Right. It was so limited in its scope. And so that report comes out and says she didn't do anything wrong in this one email. Well, whoopee-doo, because that wasn't... It was Ayurveda and then my book and the growing pressure from all around the country in the opinion polls that was looking like in risk of hurting national in the election is the real reason why she had to resign and John Key pushed her. And the stuff about some email, which I bet not a single person in the public even understands what was in the email, what it was really about, Mm -hmm. because it wasn't the point, is kind of a, a diversion where you could say, we're only getting rid of her because of this one thing. And then this one thing turns out to not be so bad after all. So <clears throat> while they can kind of crow about it, it's it's not really very real. It's not why she was under pressure to go. And it's not why she won't be able to, even now, John Key won't bring her back, because she's still a political liability for all those other things. Right, right. Listen, um, we had the first sitting of Parliament this week, and we had a pretty united opposition uh, in calling for the resignation of the Prime Minister uh, to kind of make way for a royal commission of inquiry. Uh, historically, I mean, I, you know, I've been in this country for 20 years. I can't think of anything quite like this. Uh, some people say it's grandstanding, all the rest of it, but it would seem like that is real sustained political pressure. Uh, and, and, you know, where do you think this goes to from here? I mean, uh, what are the other kind of, I guess, leads in the book. What, what's the follow-on from the book that would uh, perhaps lead to further investigations? I mean, the opposition will hammer on about the, the Royal Commission of Inquiry, um, but what would, it crea- what would it, you know, what conditions could possibly create that being a real possibility? One of the marvelous things about politics is that with all the people who try to control it and spin it and manage it, is that all sorts of unexpected things happen. Like this week, or even the recent week's activities, and the way that my book is even still in the news, is nothing, oh, I wouldn't have expected that. And so mm. I don't think we can see the future very well. Uh, what John Key and the government are naturally hoping is that Christmas will come, everyone will get amnesia and forget this forever, and it will go away. Right. That's, that's, so they're kind of, you know, 
They're watching the clock and hoping that Christmas will come as soon as possible and everyone will forget it. And and they might be right. Yeah. You know, that, that works quite often. Yeah. And yet, do you know what? My, <clears throat> this has rolled on for so long, my feeling is that it won't just go away then. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and I, I suspect that next year there will be more inquiries that they still haven't answered the question. Um, for example, there's the whole issue of of Jason E., this, this dirty tricks man from the Prime Minister's office, and Cameron Slater going inside the Labour Party computers. Mm. Nothing's happened on that yet. Right. There's right. their abuse of the Official Information Act. There's a whole lot of issues like that which I suspect are going to keep coming up. And I don't feel like pushing it very much because otherwise I'll look like somebody who's just, you know, selling my wares. Right. But it's got, <laughs> it seems to have gone beyond me. Mm-hmm. But it's just, I, I've been surprised how long it's rolled and it feels like it's going to keep rolling. And the, and the person who's kept it rolling the most has been John Key. Right. And let's, let's recognize this because his strategy has been to deny everything, to say there's nothing in it, to attack the messenger, to not concede a single millimeter. He could have said, I don't approve of what some of my staff have done, and they've moved on now, and we can all move on. And I think people would have maybe thought, okay, we can move on because he's done something. You know, mm. he's fronted up, he said something was wrong, he's taken some action, and now we move on. But the thing is, he's fronted up on nothing, he's taken no action, and he's admitted nothing which is why it seems like it's just going to keep coming up. Right. And where that will lead, who knows? There's three years to another election. They kind of, they might know that they can just weather this out and everyone will forget. On the other hand, it might just grow and keep coming back until something breaks. I don't know what will happen. Right. And we do have kind of uh, right-of-center opinion makers, uh, John Armstrong, uh, I Rob Hosking at the New Zealand Business Review. Um, th- there's there's not really any kind of public center right figures that will flack for the prime minister at this stage. But I, but I would say there is an attempt to kind of in a sort in a certain sense normalize, and that does take you know some of the varnish off key. But you know I mean Susie Ferguson was talking to you on Monday and saying, well isn't Phil Goff's uh, backgrounding of the journalist the day before the report the same kind of thing and. Catherine Ryan yesterday to Andrew Little was like, well, Cameron Slater texted the Prime Minister. He's got to be nice, right? He can't just ignore that. So, I mean, do you think there's a certain pernicious kind of let's normalize this a little bit? Or yeah, Different journalists do different things. And, and if I'm on the radio talking about what the government's done, then it's fair enough up to a point that I, they say, well, what about this and challenge me in other ways as well. You know, mm-hmm. you're going to get a to and fro on things to and fro um, and, I, and personally sometimes I think the journalists are being too soft and too weak and too apologetic for pe- people who've got a lot of power and misuse their power sometimes but overall I've been really amazed and pleased at how many journalists I've, have taken a strong stand mm-hmm. because the, another political phenomenon normally journalists are a bit timid because they need to have access they can't bite the hand that feeds them too much if they want to be able to get answers to questions by, by um, you know, pr- press time and things. And so they don't, they don't, they're more likely to, to be really strong and aggressive mm-hmm. when a leader is weak or on the way down. And they don't often do that to somebody who's riding high. That's right. But That's right. there's a lot of people who are being very critical of John Key at the moment when he's just won his, his um, third election. And so I, I've actually been pleased at how principled and sort of, you know, un, 
biased. It's been running, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Okay, listen, a couple more questions uh, before I let you go. Um, and I don't normally kind of do this, but Dim Post is a is, is a very uh, very good blogger uh, on the left side of things, and he's talked about uh, Josh Foreman, uh, who's blogged at the uh, slightly left of center blog as being a Cameron Slater asset, and that sounds super conspiratorial, and I, I don't really like to go there, but there's an implication here that uh, this person was set up to look like the left-wing equivalent of dirty politics with connections to Annette King. Do you have any uh, any thoughts on, on that at this early kind of stages of this uh, story? You know what? I shouldn't talk about things which I don't know about because I haven't read about it. Okay. So I don't. But what I would say is, if people don't know the Dim Post and Daniel McLaughlin, mm-hmm. I think it's the best, most intelligent political blog in New Zealand, and I would just recommend it to people. Right. Okay. Listen. Yeah. And and lastly, I, I wonder how things are going. Uh, right now, the the courts or the police have have uh, much of your kind of you know files documents possessions in custody uh i had uh, professor andrew geddes on the program a few weeks back who who's who said that look he has confidence that all those uh possessions will be sealed uh that a judge will make sure that this is not compromised how are you able to go about your work what are some of the challenges you're facing in and around this what are the kind of legal battles you're you're kind of gearing up to to, to face at the moment well i'm mainly all right i mean I have enough trouble trying to stay on top of all my files and my work when I haven't had the police shuffling the files and going through them all and making great muddled piles of them and things. It was disruptive to have a raid on the house, Mm. but it also wasn't the end of the world Mm -hmm. because I'm very careful with protecting my sources and they were wasting their time coming here. We still haven't got our computers back. That includes my daughter, who's at university, who was really unhappy about He's still unhappy about it, but we should have them back maybe before Christmas. And that's just, <clears throat> we get our computers back and clones of them sit in the high court in Auckland right. to be fought over whether or not the police have the right to get an investigative journalist stuff and just dig through as it will like they want to do. And and that fight will start in the high court and it will quite likely go to the Court of Appeal and the Supreme Court because this is quite a big deal for New Zealand to sort out where it stands on these issues. Right on. Nikki Hager, we thank you very much for joining us. And uh, listen, I hope you, you travel you travel well and, uh, you know, hope to be in touch soon. And obviously we look forward to all your work going forward. Thank you so much, Nikki. Thank you. Good to talk to you. All right. Take care, my brother.